Hi, I'm Keith Deason, and this is From the Ground Up, a podcast about how we make what we make, the materials, the tools, and the stories behind the things we build. Tucked away in among the developments, steakhouses, and coffee shops of one neighborhood in San Jose, California, is one of the most unique and enigmatic homes in all of America. From the street, it may not appear like much. A sprawling, Queen Anne-style building that looks more like a quaint hotel, or maybe a gigantic funeral home. It covers most of the large block on which it resides, the city having been built up around it for over a century. As one approaches the house, its sheer density becomes apparent. Nearly every square foot of the grounds has been built into what was intended to be habitable space. 160 rooms, 10,000 window panes, 2,000 doors, 52 skylights, 47 fireplaces, 3 elevators, 2 separate basements, and countless architectural features meticulously crafted in the intricate style born in the early 18th century and revived in the late 19th. Of all the odd features of this home, and there are many, many odd features of this home. The strangest part of all may be the reason it was built. Sarah Winchester had every right to feel haunted. Everything had been going so well. Her husband, William, was the heir to the Winchester family fortune. His father, Oliver Winchester, ran one of the largest and most successful companies in America, the Winchester Repeating Arms Company an innovative and wildly successful weapons manufacturer. Their Model 1873 rifle was famously known as the gun that won the West. Their new daughter, however, was not faring so well. She was wasting away slowly before their eyes. After just 40 short days on this earth, Annie Pardee Winchester would die of marasmus on July 25, 1866. The couple would never have another child. Fifteen years later, Sarah would lose William as well. He succumbed to tuberculosis in March of 1881, just one year after his father's passing, leaving Sarah with no family, a 50% stake in one of the largest companies in the world, and a fortune that today would equal about $530 million. Tales say that Sarah, grieving and looking for answers, sought out the company of a medium, a psychic, the spiritualist channeled Sarah's late husband, William, who delivered a grave warning from beyond the grave. Their misfortunes, and many more to come, were the work of angry spirits, ghosts sent to their too early end by the source of the family's immense success, the Winchester Rifles. These vengeful souls would not rest and would pursue Sarah forever to punish her for the death and destruction brought into the world by her family. Not knowing what to do, Sarah begged her husband Spectre for an answer, a plan, mercy, anything to avoid this fate. He told her to move west. She must construct a home for not only herself, but also to house the restless phantom spirits of the Winchester Rifles' victims. She must build this house continuously, forever. Sarah packed up and left for San Jose, California, and began work on what was to become known as the Winchester Mystery House. Just punching in here to tell you guys a bit about the show. From the Ground Up is an ongoing experiment. 
It is now and will always be available free of charge. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash keithdecent by leaving a review on iTunes or just by sharing your favorite episode. All Patreon supporters have access to behind-the-scenes and bonus content, as well as a new series of bonus episodes called FTGU2. I'd like to take a moment to thank the patrons who go the extra mile to make the show possible. Matt Kummel, Josh Price, Phil Plant, Alex Krause of Big My Day TV, Lila Naraki, Maker Geek, Infinite Craftsman, Vincent Ferrari, Ryan Ridgely of Barnrat Studio, Caleb Harris of You Can Make This Too, Jeff Shaw of Ideal Grain, and Johnny Bills. The house is aptly named. Built without an architectural plan or any blueprints, workers were instructed to continuously expand the structure. This resulted in stairs that terminate into ceilings, doors that lead to nowhere, some even dropping any unaware entrance many floors down into a shrub or kitchen sink, and many even stranger features. There are secret passages everywhere, stained glass windows that never see a single beam of sunlight, entire hallways scaled down to the size of a child's playhouse, and cabinets, some that open to reveal cavernous rooms and others that are only a half an inch deep. The legends surrounding the house tell that these features were part of Sarah's plan to outwit any angry spirits that would take up residence in her home. As adept as she may have been at eluding her ghostly housemates, her employees, and those that still take care of the mansion have had less success. The tales are chilling, but usually brief and innocuous. A tour guide who heard a loud sigh in the hallway outside of Sarah's bedroom, only to find no one out there. A worker restoring one of the many fireplaces in the Hall of Fires, alone in the early morning who felt a gentle tap on his shoulder while up on a ladder. Seeing that no one was actually behind him, he continued to work until he felt someone forcefully push against his back. After that, he packed up his gear and left. Phantom footsteps, ghostly breezes, strange shapes in the dark. All the classics are there. Oh, and also... Clyde. Near the fireplace in the basement, many have reportedly met the ghostly handyman Clyde. In the dark corridors and blackened corners, he can be seen pushing a spectral wheelbarrow. With jet black hair, a thick mustache, and glowing white overalls, he may stare at you directly until you leave, or he may smile and tip his hat as he goes about his eternal task of keeping the house running. After all, with Mrs. Winchester, there is always work to be done. If Sarah Winchester had believed she was being pursued by demons, April 18, 1906 would have seemed like the day they had finally caught up to her. San Francisco, 5.12 a.m. The shaking began. Within a few seconds, there was nowhere to go that didn't feel like it was about to be swallowed by the ground and sunken down into hell. Buildings, rows of unsupported brick structures and Victorian homes, were falling over like children's blocks. Bricks, timber, trees, vehicles, people, all spilling out into the streets. Abject terror on every face. Mayhem in the streets as an entire city felt as if it was about to vibrate itself loose from the mainland and crash into the bay. The aftermath left a pile of rubble where the great bustling city had been. The fires that swept the streets in the neighborhoods following the quake had helped reduce 80% of San Francisco to dust. The once shining beacon of West Coast prosperity, the boom town on the bay, was now 
nothing. Less than a shadow of its former self. Nearby beaches housed residents in tent cities that remained for years afterwards, their occupants waiting for the city to be rebuilt. Sarah herself was trapped by the quake in the daisy bedroom of her sprawling seven-story mansion in nearby San Jose. No stranger to the occasional quakes and tremors that had sporadically shaken her home as she built over the last 22 years, this 7.9 magnitude shuddering of the earth was something else entirely. Floors buckled, brick chimneys tumbled to the ground. The entire house swayed and creaked as if it was about to uproot itself from the foundations. Sarah was trapped in the bedroom until a servant managed to pry open the door with a crowbar. After the sounds of shattering glass, cracking stone, and splintering wood had subsided, Sarah instructed her tradesman, who had been working round the clock for over two decades on the home, to shore up the structure and repair the damages. Sarah took up residence in a houseboat nearby while the top three floors of her home were demolished. The patchwork construction would continue to expand outward and never again upward, while she split her time between it and other properties until her death in 1922. Like any good ghost story, the tale of the Winchester Mystery House thrives in the unwritten spaces of history. It's easy to imagine the ad hoc construction of the house as a grieving woman's way of occupying herself and keeping company. Sarah was notoriously generous with her staff, paying her workers double the average wages, and allowing them to live on a property or in apartments and houses she owned nearby. Many of the workers saw her as family, and even named their children after her. What then might be the reason for the proliferation of ghastly tales about the property? Well, the general public had been curious for years about the sprawling home. Sarah was a private woman, not very social, so there was nothing for people to do after her passing but wonder about who she was and why she had built such a strange home. The mansion was auctioned after Sarah's death and fell into the hands of John H. Brown, a theme park worker and designer of thrill rides. Brown and his wife Mame had just moved to California from Canada shortly after one of his roller coasters there had thrown a woman to her death. Seeing an opportunity, they rented the home and began to espouse tales of how strange and eerie the place was. Newspaper articles started springing up about the house's supernatural presence, and it's easy to see how things went from there. Whether or not there are any ghosts inhabiting the Winchester Mystery House is really something you'll have to decide for yourself. There were never any stories written contemporaneously about Sarah holding seances or trying to escape evil spirits. They all came later. However, it isn't hard to imagine oneself being trapped forever in the gigantic maze of a building, eternally climbing stairs to nowhere and running into bricked up doorways. It isn't hard to imagine a phantom lurking around a blind corner in the immense labyrinth of wood and stone. Though it is kind of fun. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash and you'll get access to FTGU2, the Patreon-exclusive companion show to this podcast, and other cool stuff. I have goals set to be able to produce more shows per year, so if you want more episodes, then that's the best way to get it done. If you're strapped for cash or don't trust the internet with your money, then please know that sharing the show with others or just leaving a review on iTunes or your chosen podcast aggregator does a lot to help as well. Until next time, this is Keith Decent saying, Later, makers. <laughs>